0: Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. Here's the story of innovation told in five words. Try. Explore. Connect. Pivot. Transform. See what happened there? As soon as Connect entered the story, innovation became achievable. That's why Deloitte works with clients and tech alliances to bring together the people, ideas, and technologies to overcome, solve, and, of course, transform. Connect to what matters for innovation. Start at Deloitte.com slash US slash innovate.
1: Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him. The sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable
2: business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds in envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time.
3: It's on! Hi, everyone, from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is On with Kara
2: Swisher, and I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Naima Reza. Our guest today is writer Ben Mesrick. He is a fantastic author uh, whose books translate really well into films, actually, into scenes. Yeah. He wrote Accidental Billionaires, which, of course, gave us the film Social Network about Facebook. And now he has a new book out called Breaking Twitter, which means we're going to be talking about Elon.
3: Yeah, sorry everybody, but that's the case. Um, a lot of people are rushing to make to do Elon books. There's a lot mm-hmm. of them and contracted. I, there's waiting number. for yours, Kara. No, thank you. Well, my, <laughs> he's in my, my memoir, which is already done, but it's not a lot about. Well, it's a little bit about the Twitter, tech love story. Yeah, the tech love story, which has gone sour. Um, so you know, Ben has a different attitude towards Elon. A little bit, he was more of a fan than. I mean, I, I, I admired a lot of what Elon had done, but so it'll be interesting. And of course, he's famous for his takedown of Mark Zuckerberg, which Mark Zuckerberg did agree with how he depicted him. So, um, you know, he's written about a lot of stuff that intersects and sort of made more Hollywoody versions of the stuff that, you know, me and other tech reporters do, and uh, including Dumb Money, which was a movie that came out about the meme stock thing around GameStop and others. And so he's, you know, he's always been doing really interesting and
2: entertaining stuff around tech and made it entertaining. He calls his format dramatic narrative accounts. Yeah. And that is a, it's basically not totally journalism. And also, not totally fiction. It's kind of a hybrid format. They remember when James Frey wrote that book that was memoir, but it was actually fictitious memoir. Mm -hmm. And now that's a whole genre. Hassan Minaj has recently been in the news for kind of blurring the lines between his political comedy, Mm -hmm. which is fact checked and resource kind of news comedy versus regular comedy. This is also a hybrid. Yeah. I think that's the most interesting to me is how does he think about his format? Yeah. I think creative license is there. And I think as long as people, Caveat: What they're doing, it's very fair, and I think Ben Mezer, because Ben very much caveats that this is a dramatic narrative account. Yeah,
3: I I think he's very clear about it. I mean, everyone gets dramatic license, and I think he does take that. Ben does take that, but I think he's a very canny observer of getting Mm -hmm. the right ideas in. Um, And I, you know, I think he's done it here, and um, it's fine. It's a way for regular people to understand tech. I don't think everything written about tech is totally accurate, even by regular media. Um, mm. It's just his impression of it. And it's it's largely, it colors between the lines with maybe a little more color. You know, Elon is dramatic.
2: Yeah. So he kind of offers you the first part. Well, he,
3: he is a drama queen himself. So, you know, he loves to be in the spotlight. He's someone who, who really needs the attention and you know he's sort of playing, cosplaying cosplaying whatever mm-hmm. pretending he was iron man and then i think he thinks he is and then he, you know he becomes what he was just playing around with in terms of identity and so it's yeah. fine he's a, he's a dramatic figure and he will he will spur a lot of dramatic narrative movies about him as a character. He's already Yeah, been. there's so many already. In the morning show, there's a character that could be Bezos or Musk. Oh yeah,
2: John Hamm's character. Yeah. Yes,
3: I'm watching him. And so, you know, there's a lot of versions of Elon in uh, Succession. The mm-hmm. um, Uh, Alexander Skarsgård's character. Sort of.
2: A composite character. Composite. But a lot of Elon. I talked to the Alexander about it. On the format point, Ben says, um, this is from his prologue, he says, Scenes and comments from Elon's perspective are triangulated from various inside sources. And are based on speculation as well as deep reporting. Yeah. My own speculation as well as deep reporting, which is interesting, speculation plus deep reporting.
3: You know, I, I can always guess what some of these people are going to say just having spent time with them. So I, he knows these people. So it's fine. This will be a movie. So uh, that this seems like a script to me um, and where it's going. And I'm excited to go see it. Oh, who do you think should play Elon in the movie? I don't know. He would like John Hamm too, but unfortunately, he does not have the same looks. I mean, none of them look like John. Hamm. Yeah. nobody looks like John. I, Hamm. Yeah, nobody looks like John Hamm. No. But
2: John Hamm is very handsome. It's a handsome man. It is true. What about Brendan Fraser? That could be good. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, could be. No, or Nick. You know who could be good? Nicholas Cage. No,
3: no. There's a lot of people. Vince Vaughn in his earlier days, I guess, could be. Oh, um, that's
2: a good one. Yeah. Two things before we get into the interview: two newsy elements about Elon that we should talk about. Twitter talked about its own valuation, how the company is valuing itself, and came up with the figure of 19 billion dollars. This is for internal purposes for you know employee equity. Um, $19 billion is almost 60% less than the buying price of $44 billion. Yeah, Were you surprised, Kara? Do you think it was high? No, low? I think it's even less. No, I think it's it's high. I think it's worth maybe 8
3: to $10 billion um, based on its business, but it doesn't really matter. It's owned by the world's richest man, so it's worth whatever he wants to pay for it. I've spoken to a lot of people recently, investors in it, and also people looking at the debt that they have, and um, mm-hmm. most people feel it's going to be a dramatic um, Downgrade, yeah. Uh, so I think it's uh, you know it's that it makes sense. I don't think he's running it like a business, so it doesn't does it hardly matter. What is he running it as?
2: It's his yacht. It's his as, mega oh, yacht. yacht. It's okay. His mega yacht. right wing fever dream. I don't know, but whatever. It doesn't matter. He's rich. Uh, Valuations aside, the moment right now is is another important reminder of Elon's power. Something we've spoken about at length, but in the midst of a of a war. Twitter has been a source of information, a fire hose of disinformation, as we discussed mm-hmm. on a recent panel. And Elon chimed in this weekend when service in Gaza was cut off during the Israeli escalation to say that he'd provide Starlink services to internationally recognized aid organizations and allow them sure. to survive what was a near total communications blackout. Yeah. Of course, services returning slowly, and of course, Gazans can't really use Starlink without Starlink dishes there. Yeah, I know. It's just him coming in, and what can I do? to? I think he just likes to talk about himself. Why Mm -hmm. doesn't
3: he just give it and and bring it in and don't say anything? That would be a new, fresh twist from this guy. And everything has to be very dramatic and very loud. And so if he wants to give it to AIDS, that's great. I just would like to hear less from him
2: and more (laughs) about his products. Yeah. I think as journalists, we can agree on the importance of communication access, especially in such a humanitarian crisis and access to journalists, access to the international community. But Elon has a history of doing just the opposite of what you described. He says something and then doesn't do it. So the Thai Cave Rescue, Hurricane Maria He did send a submarine.
3: He sort of did. I'm tired of him, you know, perishing shooting into dramatic incidents and pretending he's the hero. So whatever. Okay, give the starlings, bring them over, deliver them in your heli-jet or whatever the (laughs) heck or your time machine. I don't care. Just get them, you know, just stop talking about yourself. It's all about himself. So, and that's what we're going to talk about, which is, um, I think what one thing that um, Ben has said in this book uh, is that breaking
2: Twitter actually broke Musk. Yeah. Musk broke Twitter. Twitter broke must. Right. Let's end this open with how Mesrek ends a section in his book. It's titled A Note from Best Selling Author Ben Mesrek. It comes right before the prologue. Mm-hmm. Quote Breaking Twitter is populated by outsized personalities with polarizing ideologies. I believe it is one of the most important and thrilling stories I've ever told. The incredibly public, sometimes darkly comic battle between one of the most influential men of our time and the platform that sits at the center of our shared conversation. Mm hmm. That part is pretty factual and a very good explanation of his motivation for writing this book and our motivation for talking to him today.
3: Yeah, I just don't think it's the center of anything anymore. I think people have really moved on to th- – it's really interesting to watch the movements out of mm-hmm. th- Twitter. And I think this war has really clinched it for people. It's really hard to find good information, and I don't think it'll be good at the election. I think he's he's really ruined a really uh, a problematic but useful platform. Um, I literally, I was looking at my numbers. I'm down to a couple hours a week. Which is yeah. crazy. Used to be just, eleven.
2: Right? There are m- many
3: more than that, you know. And I just don't have the time. I just I'm exhausted, and I go over onto threads. You know, I don't. Mark Zuckerberg is not my favorite person, so it's it's kind yeah, of yeah. But hard. right
2: now, it feels very
3: needle and haystack. I just can't find things, and I just I mean, it's exhausts me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just don't have the time for it, and I think a lot of people don't. But around the world, it's a critical way for people to communicate. Unfortunately, it's also it's a critical way for malevolent people to
2: uh, manipulate. So, Elon, you know, you can send Starlink. That sounds great. But why don't you fix Twitter so that we can use it? Yeah, fix Twitter. moments of crisis. He's not going to fix it. I'm not holding out hope. But yeah. <laughs> Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with Ben Masryk.
1: Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power the collaboration for teams to accomplish what could otherwise be impossible alone because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Support for this show comes from NetSuite. When's the last time you've had something made just for you? It feels special. It doesn't really matter what the item was or how much it cost. It just feels good to get something personal with your needs in mind. And NetSuite wants to give you that same feeling with something tailor-made for your business. NetSuite is a top-rated cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere. netsuite.com slash on,
3: netsuite.com slash on. Ben, thanks for joining me. You've got a new book coming out November 7th called Breaking Twitter. Ah, oh, just in my arena. You're always in my arena, Ben Mesrich.
0: I'm I trying guess. to follow, follow in your footsteps. You're yeah. always in
3: front of me, actually. That's how I've noticed it. No, I've been around. You know, it's, I'm very excited to, to uh, talk about it. I want to start with you. You describe Breaking Twitter as a dramatic narrative account. You begin with this note. Some dialogue has been reimagined. The dates of some events have been adjusted or compressed. Also, some points in the story employ elements of satire and some instances composite characters have been created, or descriptions and character names have been altered at my request to my sources to protect privacy. How do you look at it? Is, is it journalism, fiction, somewhere in between? Um, yeah. you, you've gotten that criticism. I've heard it from Facebook people, et cetera.
0: Oh, yeah. So basically, it's a nonfiction book. It's a true story written mm-hmm. in a cinematic thriller-esque yes. style. So mm-hmm. I'm not a journalist like you would find at the New York Times or or uh, or you yourself. I'm more of a Uh, a a writer who tells a true story in a way that I think is palatable for my audience. I write it in a thriller-esque fashion. Um, I I attempt to tell the story as truthfully um, as I can through the eyes of the people, um, you know, who are in the scenes, but I believe that there's always a subjective element in telling a story like this, Mm -hmm. especially a story like this. And so uh, I do my best to tell the true story, but I'm doing it in a way that I hope is cinematic and fun and exciting. So I approach it differently than a Walter Isaacson does or Michael Lewis does, maybe not Michael Lewis as much, but um, in that I interview as many people as I can. I get as much information as I can. I get all the legal documents. I spend a a lot of time on the research phase, but when I write it, I'm envisioning it as a movie. Um, So it's meant to be read as if you're watching a movie. Um, And yeah, there are some journalists who who say what I'm doing, you know, shouldn't be nonfiction. And there are other journalists who say, you know, this is... The I boundaries. call it creative
3: nonfiction, actually. It's kind of funny. I argue with people about it. When your book came out, the, the Facebook one, I was like, he's not off on the sense of what's happening. I mean, Mark, one of the things Mark, I remember complained to me about was that the character, Jesse Eisenberg, was not like him. And I was like, it's not meant to be like you. <laughs> and I said, he talks too much. I wish you talked as much as he did, right? Like, you never right. talk. He was, at that time, He now he's blabby as can be, but he's different than you, and it's sort of an imagination cartoon of you. Right. Um, which I mean, had, I think you
0: can look at the social network and I think it's a in my opinion, a really good telling of that first year at Facebook, even though yeah, I think you he's going to disagree with it. I mean, you were there. You know it better than anybody. You got the themes
3: right. It was just more dramatic. It's so right. much more boring in, per, in real life is
0: what it I is. I mean, you're not going to watch the movie that Zuckerberg wants you to watch about the founding of Facebook. That's right. going to be a right. torturous right. movie No, to it, was,
3: it was more dramatic. They're all more dramatic. I'm curious, why you, how, how do you look at Michael Lewis different? I'm going to get to Walter Isaacson in a second, but...
0: Well, I mean, I'm a big fan of, of both of them. I think Michael Lewis is someone who does something somewhat similar to I do. Um, I think he's a little bit less... I, I think Walter Isaacson is almost writing an encyclopedia at times. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's a good way that of putting it. And I think that Lewis is, is dramatic in some ways. Um, I think he's... I think he'd probably consider himself more of a journalist than than I consider myself, but I do think that he dramatizes and he uses a yeah. lot of the same stuff that I do. I would
3: say not this latest book, but let's speaking of Walter Isaacson, I agree. Encyclopedia is a very good way to put it. You could kill a small creature with it. Um, I assume you read it. Uh, of what course. did what did you think?
0: Well, you know, when I when I came out of my nine months of reading—no, uh, I'm just kidding. It's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's big true. book. Um, yeah. I, I feel like, um, for me anyways, the story that I'm trying to tell, I feel like he missed in that he did get a lot of the details about Twitter, but I see the Elon before Twitter and the Elon after Twitter as two very different Elons. Agreed. And I feel like, just as an example, Walter Isaacson would not have chosen to write Elon's biography today. He chose to write it before Twitter because Elon at that time was widely beloved. He was, you know, considered a genius by most people. You know, he was like the Edison or the Einstein. Yeah. And now half the country hates him.
3: Glimpses of problems yeah. all over oh, the yeah.
0: Place. Oh, yeah. Mercurial, right? Um, but, but if you look at him today, no way the famed biographer of my time would spend a year hanging out with Elon to write his story. Yeah. I mean, I've always maintained that. Perhaps the worst person to talk to when you're writing a story about someone is the main character, Um, because they're the least credible person to tell their own story. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have to do a lot of second guessing and, 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 and disagreeing. But when you've given, you know, the keys to the city and listen, it's happened to me, too. You fall in love with your main character. It's impossible not to.
3: Interesting. I never do. But ahead, <laughs> well, I mean, keep, I, keep, you know,
0: I, I, because they, they let you into their lives in such a way um, that you're with them all the time, and suddenly you're in the inner circle. And these are very charismatic people. And I think with are. Isaacson, it's very clear to me, anyways, that he fell for Elon in a big way. And even though he has, you know, he did. misgivings about Elon does this and this, Elon always wins, you know? He's, yeah,
3: but, but we're not here to talk about Walter's book, but actually it's important because this is how some people get to know this person, and I do think he's got the facts of his life. They um, And where it led to. But you're focused on what this particular transaction did for Elon Musk. So um, talk about um, how much of your book is based on reporting as it's corroborated by multiple credible sources and how much is a creative imagining? How How did you look at it?
0: Yeah, so I would say that, you know, in my opinion, it's a very credible telling of the story, um, although it dramatizes the scenes, for instance, where Elon is at Tesla or Elon is at SpaceX. You know, it's written in a way that sort of draws the picture of those places based on the research that I do. I talk to a lot of people, some of whom uh, haven't really talked to many people.
3: Right. I'm guessing who you talk to from reading, and I could guess pretty easily. Now, a lot of people will not publicly talk to me. Many of them do privately and very in-depth. I had a a board member from Tesla come up to me and and just unload. I thought they were going to attack me. And I I was like, I don't have time for you. I don't want to hear you being mean to Elon. And he's like, Please keep being mean. It was interesting. He's like, I don't think you're mean at all, which is interesting. But talk about what deep reporting plus speculation is from your perspective.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think for my opinion, deep reporting is talking to the main sources or or main sources who are in the orbit as much as you can, getting as much time as you can with characters who were there. And you have to remember, I'm telling the story of him walking through the doors of Twitter. So I'm also talking to a lot of Twitter personnel, people who, you know, were right in front of him, who ran up to him, who were, who were involved from day one, um, and then talking to people, Um, in his orbit as much as I can. Um, And then you have all of the different sort of secondary sources, which are those, uh, you know, the the texts that were released, um, um, any lawsuit that happens, you've got. You've got the Twitter lawsuits. You've got all of those pages. And then you've got interviews by people who are interviewing the in-depth characters as much as you can as sources. Sure, and
3: also, actually, his emails are quite his personality. He actually comes through, rather, in his emails and texts. He's quite like himself, unlike a a lot of people.
0: I think so. And, I mean, I do reach out to Elon. I reach out to everyone and say, will you talk to me? Um, And as you know, it's a mixed bag. Some people want to talk to you, and some people really don't. Some people will talk on background, and some people, you know, send legal letters. I mean, you get a mix of sort of responses.
3: Can you give us some—did you talk to Parag or Yoel? You talked to Esther, correct? You've said that. Uh,
0: Yeah, I'm not going to go into too much detail other than Esther, Mm -hmm. because I I don't want to sort of some people don't want to, to to me to say that I talk to them and some people barely talk to me. And so in, in, I don't really go to detail about who I talk to. And All right, I do. but I and have to
3: ask, did you talk to the goons as you call them, David Sachs, Jason Calacanis? There are
0: some goons that I've had interaction with, yes.
3: Um, oh, I can hear the goons. I know who they are. Like, if you know these people, I'm like, uh-huh. Right, there.
0: right. right, And then, you know, the speculation part is um, you can sort of see it in the book. There are places where I throw the word maybe in, and, and that's the kind of thing where you can see that I'm sort of signaling that this scene is more... And then I use satire a lot, and this is something that I enjoy using in my books, where, you know, in my book that became Dumb Money, you had Ken Griffin sitting on a throne made of stone, of, of bones and skulls. And with Elon, you know, he's waking up in the spaceship that is the Gigafactory um, and, and describing that stuff. So I think you can tell Tell what I'm doing. Uh, You know, as you can tell, I'm a huge fan of Hunter S. Thompson. I was a big fan of that sort of form of journalism and the idea that there aren't really these these strict barriers when you're doing what I do. This
3: is my impression, is what you're saying. This is my impression. I mean, this <laughs>
0: is my feeling and my impression based on all of the information that I have. And you might disagree with it. And Elon certainly will disagree with it. That's uh, I would um, agree and that's, with that. Uh, and that's the way, but I'm not, but I'm open with my process. And yeah, I feel like people I get pick up my uh, You books. know, in
3: my, I just finished my memoir and in my uh, in the part, the footnotes part, they said, there's no footnotes. I'm not Bob fucking Woodward. And, <laughs> you know, these are my rele- remembrances it may be inaccurate in some places. I've tried my best to remember. And this and that. So, but you didn't sit down with, and I'm relying a lot on interviews I actually did publicly and some privately. Um, but you didn't sit down to do any interviews with Elon, but you tried. Tell me I about that. I reached those. out to
0: Elon. Tell and, me about uh, those efforts. You know, there's, uh, so in the past, he has responded to me on Twitter before, mm-hmm. um, and as has Jack. Um, and so I reached out to Jack through, Dorsey. Yeah, Dorsey. Um, I reached out via email. I reached out via, um people who are connected to him so to get to him um, and he's, you know, if he wants to talk to you, my impression is he's not that hard to get to, he and he made it very difficult. And in the end, I was told by an intermediary that it was not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and I respect that, you know, I, the same thing happened with the social network with Facebook is that, you know, Mark, in the end, I had questions sent to him, you know, mm-hmm. I had Sean Parker working on him, Sean and I talked a lot. And in the end, Mark said no. And, I, and the reason being that he couldn't control what I was going to say. And I think with Elon um his response essentially was um the Walter Isaacson book.
3: <laughs> yeah, I get it. I would I'm surprised. He loves to engage. Mark is not someone who loves to engage in general, is quite shy, right. as you know.
0: I, I think that Elon made the choice that Walter was telling his story. You know, in my book yeah. I I consider the Walter book as part of Elon's reputational resuscitation efforts yeah. in that he announced the book, he announced the book, um, the same week they announced Lindy Yaccarina taking over. Mm-hmm. I don't think these are unrelated. No. Um, I think that he's seen the hit that his reputation has taken, and this is a one-two punch to attempt to sort of move the table back, you know, and get it, get it straight again, um, that I don't think will work. But I think that, that that's why he wouldn't talk to me, is my guess. But, you know...
3: I think it's because uh, he f- he found his water carrier. Right, And I think he thinks he couldn't have tricked you as easily. I think he might have snowed you a little bit, but not. Well,
0: I think I would have had fun with it. I mean, people don't realize how easy I am. I mean, <laughs> Janet Maslin called me the billionaire's best friend. And uh, I think that's true. I, I fall I don't in love think you are easily to my characters. I, think I don't exact- think you are. I thought your
3: depiction of Mark, Mark was eviscerating <laughs> and highly accurate, actually.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that.
3: It was eviscerating in a very different way than people realize. All right, The narrative kicks into high gear when Elon sends his then-CEO, Parag Agrawal, who I just referenced, an angry text that contains, as you put it, eight fateful words, will make an offer to take Twitter private. Very typical of him to do things like this. I've gotten lots of texts like this. Walk us through that decision and what led up to it.
0: So, you know, I I believe, and and I think it's, it's, pretty clear to me that, uh, let me just preface this by saying that I came into this as a huge fan of Elon Musk. I didn't come into it as someone who wants to take him down. I, I've always, I've wanted to write about him. I've reached out to him many times in the past saying, I'd love to write your story because I truly saw him um, in in these sort of terms of being an Edison or, or his incredible mind who's moving us forward. Um, I believe that he Saw this as part of his mission, that, that Twitter um, was supposed to be this beacon on the hill of, of free speech, that um, we're moving through this window of time in which we can reach Mars to save our civilization, and that this is one element of that. If there isn't this global town hall where freedom reigns, we'll never get there. And he saw what happened with the Babylon Bee. So the Babylon Bee got kicked off of Twitter. That was suspended. what really got him mad. Um, really got him upset because they made a joke about um, about the... Uh, the a
3: Biden administration officials. Right. Was trans. About, it
0: was a trans joke. It upset Elon that they got suspended for that. And the whole idea of the woke virus, which which was part of his thinking, is that this woke virus is taking over Twitter. I, I need to come in and save Twitter. Now, he was, to some extent, It's the not woke serious. mind virus. It's his yeah, woke, woke mind virus. I don't think he was serious until he started to think about it. And he wrote this tweet where he basically did a poll on whether or not we all felt that Twitter was upholding the values of free speech. Right,
3: Which has been debated by a lot of Elon-like characters in Silicon Valley for a while, right? right? They can't ever shut up about it, actually.
0: And I think, you know, the response, it wasn't just the response, but then his group of, of people around him rallied around him and excited him and pushed him forward, Um And I think that he essentially decided, almost whimsically that he could do this, that this wouldn't be that hard, and that he would save the world by buying Twitter. I think it, it fit in like that. Can I ask um, then,
3: then why did he try back out of buying it um, if he really thought that fixing Twitter was a battle for the future of civilization? Well, he had
0: second thoughts almost Which immediately. Is, he
3: uses a battle. He, he talks in these terms almost constantly, that if he dies, then all of humanity will die. Um, and by the way,
0: that fits into the whole simulation theory, that he yes. believes he's player one in the simulation. I get into this in the book a lot, that he believes the whole world is a simulation. Simulation Explain what a the simulation is for
3: people. Who so the
0: idea is that mathematically, it's it's likely, um, if you look at the math, that the whole world is just a simulation like a video game. It's a
3: video game of teenagers of the future. He's t- he did this in an interview and blew everybody's minds. With
0: yeah. Me and point. I actually, I, I think there's a lot to simulation theory. Sure. I mean, it's somewhat religious, but the idea is that not only is the whole world a simulation, but most of us aren't even the real player. <laughs> most of us are non-playing characters. But he is
3: player one. He is
0: player one. He is the main playing character. And By the way, successful people in general, people who have ridiculous success, kind of believe this deep down. I think you see it in a lot yeah. of, because you see the whole world is working out.
3: Yeah. Well, it's because when they when they do past lives, they're always Cleopatra.
0: I'm like, exactly. is anybody
3: a slave? Is anybody right. A, right. Like, uh, like a right. horse trader? Or and something when good like things
0: happen in your life that seem un- unbelievably lucky, it's hard not to look at the world and say, oh, it's designed around me. Why you know? did he
3: try to back out of it then if civilization is?
0: Well, he tried to back out because as soon as he sort of started to dive into it, first of all, he realized he was way overpaying for it, which I think was a, problem. Second of all, there was immediate backlash from the people that he least expected it from, being the Tesla faithful. So, he's had this incredibly glowing reputation as this sort of godlike figure to a lot of people for a long time, and this was kind of the first moment, in my opinion, where he got backlash from the people who usually worshipped him, and I think it made him nervous because he was he was spreading himself Too thin, I think. He was going to have to sell Tesla's stock, most likely. Um, And this kind of response that was almost immediate, I think, shook him a little bit, and he decided he didn't want it anymore. But then it became this game, you know, it became this backing. He couldn't back out without, you know, paying a little bit, which he should have done. Um, but he, you know, and it, it gets into that a little bit in the book. But basically, he reached a point where he decided he had to buy it. And that's where his competitiveness comes in, his inability to I'm going to do it.
3: My, I'm going to show them wrong. I'm so going to show them how, wrong. How,
0: I can how? do this.
3: Do you, do you think he's really committed to he – he had to get sued into going through the purchase, yes. by the way. I don't um, think he, he had
0: – I think He once, had no choice.
3: He had zero once choice.
0: He, once he got to that point, um, he came in with a lot of anger. Um, yeah. And he came in Really mad. And and not only did he want to fire people, but he wanted to fire Parag with cause. You know, he wanted to make sure he didn't pay them anything. Right. And I think when he walks through that front door with the sink, um, you know, it's barbarians at the gate, but it's the reluctant barbarian who's now gonna take it out on everybody there. Right. Um, well, and, that's and, his and whole that's the story, isn't that's it? That's the frustrating thing to me about Elon in general through this whole story, is that he has these noble ideals, he has these this vision of saving the world, which is not a bad thing at all. Um, I guess. But he can't get away from uh, this competitiveness, this need, um, and this sort of uh, childlike angers um, that come out again and again and again um, that drive him in. in com- yeah, I just the opposite you know, direction. I, I
3: get the messianic thing is attractive. I think it's narcissism. Is that's all it is? Is and I think it's the putting yourself as player one tells you everything that you that you want. And I think at some points there's a part of him that regrets this impulse tweeting and regrets when he. I think that's gone now, but it was there for certain.
0: Well, I think there's a big transformation that happens during Twitter. Um, but I think that you know he 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 was forced into it, and once he walks through those doors, it was game on for him. And uh, and and I'm going to show these. You know, begins the whole scorched earth yeah. process.
3: So he needs enemies. So obviously he contains multitudes. And let me say, I have given him credit for what he's done at Tesla and SpaceX. I have been a I wouldn't say a fan, but I have certainly regarded him in a lot better light than a lot of people I cover, because I was really inspired by a lot of what he was doing. And I always like a could try. I always thought he was narcissistic, like the rest of them. Um, but there's a lot of hypocrisy at the core of this entire project. So let's go through some of the worst instances, which you allude to in various ways in the book. We already talked about how he's going to save the world and then uh, and then tried to get out of it. I don't think he was trying to save the world. I think he was trying to save Elon Musk in a lot of ways. But um, so how how to explain his approach to free speech? Let's start with that. He's throttled links to the news organization he dislikes. He suspended journalists reporting on his suspension of Elon Jet. He banned Substack links. He threatened to sue the ADL. Um, what What is the clear ideology about free speech?
0: I mean, I think there was a transformation. I really think he went in with the idea that free speech was going to be easy, mm-hmm. uh, that Twitter was moderating and holding back all of these voices, um, kicking Donald Trump off, you know, stifling the New York Post and all of these kind of things. And he was going to fix it with, a, with an algorithm. I think he went in the door thinking free speech was as easy as building a rocket. And I think free speech is way harder than building a rocket um, and that you can't engineer it. And I think... He realized pretty quickly when it started to impact him personally um, that this ideology had to go out the window. And that, that is a big big issue, and I think it happens in the course of the story. Uh, the way I tell the story is everything spirals out of control, and when it becomes personal, he throws all that out the window. So, uh, you know, later in the story, what happens in, in a period of one week um, is his, his car gets attacked with his kid in it, mm-hmm. and he blames that on this Elon jet website which is mm-hmm. tracking his jet so he kicks that person off then he starts to kick all the journalists off who link to that person or even mention that person yeah and then it suddenly becomes uh, you know free speech is thrown out the window and 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 he's He's searching for a way um, to just to to do what he wants without without you know breaking down entirely, um, and that all fits into the same week when he goes on Dave Chappelle and and uh, you know he goes on stage food. with Dave Chappelle, and and that's the first moment where he is face to face. With booze, with the whole world looking at him in a negative way suddenly, which has never happened before. And I think this is groundbreaking for him. So, anyways, yes, he starts to, his ideology disappears as soon as it. There wasn't comes an up ideology. I'm
3: sorry, Ben. I'm well, sorry. I, I, I think he we had a, I, a broad, I, I call it libertarian light with these people. Right, like, I, right. I sometimes, when I press them, even including Mark Zuckerberg, when he was talking about free speech, I literally wanted to get up at Georgetown, Were you at that speech. Yeah. I literally wanted to stand up and I said, You need to read the First Amendment <laughs> before you talk about it or something. It's very, it's very half-baked. It's someone who doesn't know it very well Um, and who hadn't thought about the complexities that it gets into once you go down that road.
0: Yeah. And I 100% agree that no one is really for 100% free speech. It's not possible. Um, But I do drink the Kool-Aid more than you do, way more than you do, in that I really think he came into this with a view that he believed in free speech and that he was going to make Twitter. I mean, if you look at him and Jack going back and forth on their texts, which you sure. know, is in the book as well, you know, they're talking about this, this beautiful sort of beacon on the hill where, where people are going to say what they want and there's almost no moderation going on. Um, and it's not until you realize that it's going to affect you personally that suddenly this goes out the window um, with Elon. Elon, it's, it's not that his ideology, you know, comes up against it. It's his personal life comes up against it. We'll
3: be back in a minute.
1: Support for On with Kara Swisher comes from Babbel. Learning a new language doesn't just give you dozens of new ways to swear. Studies show that people who learn new languages develop better memories and get more comfortable solving difficult problems. In turn, confidence improves and perspectives open, allowing for more flexibility, no matter what life brings to the table. If you're ready to make a new language part of your routine, Babbel can help. Babbel is a science-backed language learning app with lessons created by real people for real conversations. Babbel doesn't rely on artificial intelligence to build its 10-minute lessons. Instead, they're handcrafted by more than 200 language experts focused on teaching phrases and vocabulary you'll actually need to communicate. I've used Babel myself. I'm trying to learn Spanish since I spent four years trying to learn it in high school and then again in college. And I have to say, I'm doing a lot better with Babel. I use it on the go when I'm traveling. It's super easy to do these 10-minute, 5-minute lessons. It reminds me every day, and I do it. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babel subscription, but only for our listeners at Babel. Dot com slash Swisher get up to 60% off at babble.com slash Swisher spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot slash Swisher rules and restrictions may apply support for this show comes from ramp are you overwhelmed with managing your business expenses vendor payments and accounting is your finance software just not cutting it or maybe you're just looking to cut all that wasteful spending ramp could be a total game changer for you and your business Ramp is the corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. Ramp gives finance teams unprecedented control and insight into company spending. With Ramp, you're able to issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions, and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Plus, Ramp is easy to use. You can get started, issue virtual and physical cards, and start making payments in less than 15 minutes, whether you have five employees or 5,000. Not only that, but Ramp can save you money. They estimated that businesses that use Ramp save an average of 5% the first year. And now you can get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com/kara. ramp.com/kara. r a m p.com/kara. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank. Members FDIC. Terms and
3: conditions apply. So the last third of the book is essentially a portrait of his unraveling. Um, here's the timeline according to the book. I'm going to read it, and then I'd love your thoughts on us and walk us through it. He tweets a conspiracy theory about the attack on Paul Pelosi, which is where... I got off the train. I was like, then we're done. After he, you know, it was really crazy. Yoel Roth, who had stuck with him, quits. This is the head of trust and safety. He gets challenged on his everything app vision by an employee at an all hands, uh, something he's dreamed of with the X app. He gets booed at Chappelle, as you noted. A stalker follows his son. He reacts by suspending it. He tweets a poll asking um, if he should step down as CEO and the majority. Say yes. In fact, you should. Biden's Super Bowl tweet gets more than twice as many impressions as his, and he demands that Engineers magnify his tweets a thousand times. Talk us through this sequence and explain what's happened to his ego and sense of self by the end of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it to me, it's it's a startling sequence of events. So I start with the Paul Pelosi thing, and in the book, I actually I write the scene from Paul Pelosi's point of view because it's this. In- terrible moment it where is. this old man is is beaten with a hammer, nearly mm-hmm. to death. And then you go straight to Elon at a Halloween party, Heidi Klum's Halloween party, where she's dressed as a giant worm and everyone's shouting, Elon, Elon, Elon. And then he tweets this ridiculous conspiracy theory tweet. Something mm-hmm. that he does all the time. You know, he doesn't think about it. He throws off a, a meme or a tweet because it's funny or whatever. This is about
3: a gay love triangle. Right, a
0: gay love triangle that Paul Pelosi, And it's feeding into the the, the The right wing people who have gathered around Elon in this moment. Um, And it's a horrible tweet. And, 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 I think he realizes it pretty quickly, or or, or he's at least told it um, because he, he deletes it. He gets he, he tries to apologize for it. And it's a horrible moment. It's a really horrible moment, whatever you want to joke about. I mean, and that's why in the book I really try to show you the two scenes next to each other. And then and then that's the beginning where where all of the people at Twitter have to now deal with this the advertisers, the people who are trying to keep Twitter afloat. This is a big deal. Um, and it's the beginning of of this spiral downward. Um, and then you go He you probably know,
3: ended up blaming Heidi Klum, but go ahead.
0: Right, right. Well, Heidi has his giant worm, right? right? And and then you go from there and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And at, at one point it gets so bad after he's you know, tweeted this poll where he said, should I be replaced as CEO? And he's he's truly shocked that the answer is yes. Um, I think he fully expected that even though he's been faced with sort of all of this negative stuff at the Chappelle thing and and and, and from Twitter itself. And you have to remember, by the way, his paranoia has been growing through all of this. Not only does yes. he walk around Twitter with bodyguards, but he's made it a rule that no... People are allowed to gather together in Twitter. He fears a real mutiny. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when, when Yoel leaves, he, he attacks Yoel over the site, basically, you know, uh, ca- calling Call him, him a pedophile. A pedophile. Um, so that he has to, you know, run out of his house in the middle of the night. Um, it's this spiral downward that, that you can see in his personality changing as paranoia sort of takes over. So
3: why is the spiral always aggression towards others? I mean, nobody he's, – he's not getting hurt in any way – He's the world's richest man, but it's the aggression towards others, including Yoel, which I thought was reprehensible.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, he felt betrayed. I mean, I think that he sees himself as the main character in this this movie um, and that everyone is supposed to rally around him. And 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 he can fire people, but people can't leave him. And I think the Yoel thing hit, hit him personally because it it seemed like he was – Backing Yoel, that he was going to put Yoel as someone important in the the new Twitter. And then Yoel, looking at what was going on, um, basically said no way at a point that this was going too far. Um, And that was a betrayal to Elon. And so he swiped out at him. Um, He's not used to people betraying him.
3: Why not listen to Yoel? Why not listen? Listen, I had a back and forth with him about Twitter that was very reasonable. And then he called me an asshole. Yeah, for some reason I don't know why. I like it was. It was. It, 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 I don't even know why because it wasn't even something. But now after the Pelosi thing, that's enough. Yeah. But why not listen to Yoel? And and there's many people come and go in the book, including Esther Crawford who talk him off of ledges, Yoel and Esther. Why didn't that kick in instead of the aggression from your perspective? Well, what's
0: intriguing about Esther is is how she approached Elon when she still had his ear. And and she went very Solicitous. clearly. is You have to talk to him in a certain way. You can't, um, you can't go at him among other people. It has to be one-on-one because if anyone else is around, he needs to be the king of the story. Um, and if you go at him one-on-one, it has to be in a way that— Um, helps him get to the answer you're looking for. You have to use memes and comedy and show him that he's found the right way to the answer. So, yes, you have to work the certain angles that he needs you to work to get something through to him. If you oppose him, um, he's going to have to go after you. Um, And so I think that
3: why is that? Why because then nobody can have staying power because nobody.
0: One of the things. Well, I really think it goes to this non-player character thing. Is that you know he's the main character and you're all non-player characters. We're not. We're not real. Um, And and if you're playing a video game and a a, a non-existent pixelated thing walks up to you and starts to tell you things, uh, you're not going to listen to it. You're gonna you're gonna throw it away. And I think that's the way he looks at the world around him. Is he's the main character. Um, And if he's the main character, everyone else is just is not even a supporting character. And and therefore, you need to be... You have to find a way to make him come to the answer that you want.
3: Yesterday, someone asked me how to deal with him and I they were going to see him and a thing. And I said, Be complimentary. And I know this is going to sound weird, but touch the bottom of his arm once <laughs> because he'll calm down. Like exactly. it was, I felt like it was like a dog. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah,
0: I mean, that's great. Yeah. When Esther first, first starts working with him, his assistant, um, Jen, comes up to him and bas- comes up to her and says, This is how you talk to Elon. And there's actually sort of a, a script on how you're supposed to approach Elon. You have to look at mm-hmm. him in a certain way. You have to speak to him in a certain way, um, and and that's sort of given to people who are going to be one-on-one with him. But I think you know uh, the revelations that that uh, that I think are are interesting parts of the story that you know haven't been covered before is number one. Um, how affected he was. And as I was saying, you know, he, he reached a point after the poll when people voted against him and, and shocked him by that because he really believed people were going to support him in staying CEO of Twitter. He locked himself in a conference room. He refused to talk to anybody. It was as much as a day. And people at Twitter were so concerned that they were going to call the San Francisco de- Police Department and do a wellness check on him. Um, and that, you know, is such a low moment. This is a guy who's the richest man in the world or close to it.
3: Right. But you close the book with a scene from a SpaceX launch, even though it, actually, it eventually explodes, which he right. does this a lot. I think it's
0: the most incredible sort of visual where all of these guys are jumping up and down, applauding as this giant spaceship explodes on the screen behind them. Um, yeah, it clears but- the
3: launch pad. Then, as you write, there was reason for raucous worldwide celebration instead of praise. The press unfairly focuses on the explosion. Why end with this scene?
0: because I believe that before his purchase of Twitter, that space launch would have led to ticker tape parades. People would have been uh, applauding him. Every newspaper article there would have been, this is the the first step towards going to Mars. But post-Twitter, all the headlines read, failure, explosion, this is a destruction. And I think that's what's happened. That's what we've missed in, in telling this story is that Twitter has broken Elon, it's destroyed his reputation, and Elon today is not the Elon of Elon before Twitter. Do you think think... he's
3: misunderstood and unfairly more Lined, or he's just getting the—
0: Oh, he's definitely not misunderstood. I think he came into Twitter, and he has done a lot of uh, bad things. He's made a lot of mistakes. Self-harm. Um, he's done a lot of self-harm to himself. and I don't I'm not saying he can't recover from this. I'm not saying he can't rebuild himself and become the the Elon of before. Um, but I were not misunderstanding what happened. I mean, this is a guy who tweeted conspiracy theories, who's suing the ADL for um, who, who, who this and that, see. all of the things that he's doing. he's doing, and he's proudly doing them. he's He's aligned himself with people that, you know, uh, and, and and what he's done to sort of, Um, truth. So he came into Twitter saying that this was going to become the most true place on the internet. And it is exactly the opposite. And the reason is, is that he's elevated the least true voices um, and turning it into an engagement engine. He's turned it into an an outrage engine. Um, Twitter is entirely uh, driven now by outrage and, and anger, right? Because that's what raises engagement in his mind. So he's chased all of the sort of truth off of the site because truth doesn't sell as well right um, so is, think, but is
3: he unfairly maligned I, I, I like an honest assessment from your
0: i mean i think that that because of what he's doing on twitter it's very hard for him to get praise outside of twitter so mm. in that respect yes i think it is unfair to look at the starship launch and say oh this was remarkable. a disaster because i had called it remarkable it, Right, it it wasn't a disaster. Um it was it was brilliant. It was incredible. None of us could have done that and and he's pushing the world forward. It's 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 crazy to me to look at what Tesla's trying to do with automatic driving and attack it. I mean, I think it's he's no, pushing the world forward. I think he's a little forward.
3: sloppy there,
1: but we'll we'll we'll, okay. we'll, we'll he's we'll pushing table that the world one.
0: forward. You know, sure. I really think he's pushing the world forward and I believe, different than you, that his ideology is good and I think he does want to save the world. But I think that what he's done at Twitter has been a disaster. And I think that it is causing harm both to his reputation and to sure. his person. Um, and I think, as I've said, you know, numerous times, I mean, that he got to a point where people were wanted to call in a wellness check on him. This is mm-hmm. not because he was doing the right things. It's because things were going wrong and the world was telling him that. And I think this is a big moment for him.
3: Do you think he is salvageable? You just said that. You said he could I don't think he's going back.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm a, as I said, I'm a fan. I think that this is a guy who who has. I think he sees that that what's happening. This is the why he had Walter write his biography, and this mm-hmm. is why why he hired Linda, the the adult in the room. I, in the book, sort of. I say it's like bringing in Sheryl Sandberg to make Zuckerberg mm. look like a real boy. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's
3: it's the Very idea that you bring
0: an adult into the room to try and fix. She's it. She's
3: not Sheryl. I'm sorry.
0: Well, okay. There's a. I think her purpose, though. Is similar. Um, you're right. It's a different person, um, but it's someone who's there for the same reason. Sure. Um, so I think Elon recognizes there's a problem. Um, but I and so in in my view, in my most optimistic view, he walks away from Twitter before he completely destroys it, and he goes back to SpaceX and you Tesla think. and saving the world. I, I think it's difficult for him to do that because number one, he can't lose, and that would be looked at as a loss. And number two, he has this idea of this everything app. Um, which I think he's now going to shift Twitter into. Um, Good luck. A- and so rather than walk away and let Twitter be, he's going to take it down, um, which is sad to me. Um, but, but you know, uh, could he resume being the, the, the Edison of our times? I think so, um, but it, it all depends on how quickly he can get away from this mess he's created. He's not going to
3: do it. He's not. He's like a gambler who's going to keep betting t- – you know, he's at, the, the, he's at the slot machine, and he's staying there. That's the whole thing. And he's surrounded himself. by There's nobody around him he's listening to that will tell him the truth. They, they can't. They're all paid by him. Well, we're telling
0: him the truth. <laughs> well, I
3: know, but he, he
0: hates us. He hates me. I, I,
3: I, my, my heart is seething with hate. I don't know if you know that reason. I, I saw that.
0: I saw that. I know. Well, I have no hate. I've only love in my heart, but oh my I really, God. really believe it. I
3: don't only have love in my heart, but I'm not seething with hate. I have a life, my friend. Um, I'm, the, I'm the main character in my video game. Anyway, speaking of ideology, the book largely leaves out Elon's racist tweets, which I think they really truly are. He tweeted misleading charts about black crime. He supported the Dilbert creator after his completely unhinged racist rant. He says the media is racist against white and Asian people, retweeted anti-Semitic conspiracies, like, you know, every every day of the week. Um why did you leave those out? I'm just curious.
0: Uh, you know, it's it's a it's an interesting question, and and it goes into sort of my view of Elon. I, I personally don't believe that Elon is racist. I don't think he. I, I think that he is tolerant of of racist views and tolerant of a lot of these sort of racist tweets that are, theories, yeah. that are conspiracy theories and things like that. Part of it is performative um, because he's pushing rightward because he felt like it was, those are the people who are cheerleading him. And so he he, he plays into that. Um, and part of it is that, you know, he likes sort of uh, drama, as you said. Um, so
3: you're essentially saying some of his best friends are racist. He's not racist, but he supports racists. I mean, he certainly,
0: you know, has a tolerance for these tweets that are that, that most people wouldn't. Um, and I think he knows it's the bread and butter of the site right now also. So he's playing um, a
3: performative so role. So
0: I, I think that, you know, it goes back and forth on, on that. I, I, I'm i troubled by it. I'm, I'm more troubled by the fact that, you know, you can't go on the site now without seeing it over and over and over again. And not, mm-hmm. not you know, from him, but but it's an entirely anti-Semitic, racist hotbed right now. And I think the idea that it isn't is ludicrous. Um, you know, and and so I, I think that, I think that that is is more troubling to me than Elon personally retweeting this and retweeting that. Um, but yeah, I don't go deep into that. I, I don't, you know. In the end, I'm not attacking Elon with this book. I'm attacking what's gone on here and, and this huge misstep um, and this disaster and this spiral downward that that has happened. In although very one might fashion.
3: ask, being a performative racist is better than being an actual racist. Like I, I kind of <laughs> like the last group more if I had to choose because the others know better. I think he knows better.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a tricky thing. It's a tricky thing. I I, I think that. For me, anyways, um, uh, it's hard f- – it's it's something that I didn't want to get too deep into in the book. I think people can see what they see. Um, but I think it's it's more him uh, engaging in this sort of dirty circus he's created dirty than it circus. is him sort of, you know. That been the name of the
3: book, Dirty Circus. <laughs> dirty. So let's uh, leave the book for a bit and talk about Twitter post April twenty. 20- Twenty-three, where the book ends. Let's do a quick lightning round. I'd like to go through a list of mini catastrophes. And I want you to tell me what you've heard about how they've affected both Elon personally and Twitter as a company, X as a company. The DeSantis campaign kickoff Twitter spaces fiasco.
0: Yeah, that was, uh, that was uh, a, a mess. Um, you know, he fired everybody. <laughs> so the site doesn't work anymore.
3: Okay. Tucker Carlson brings homemade show to Twitter and then signs a shared revenue deal with him.
0: I mean, I think the, one of the biggest disasters that Elon has done is attempt to destroy journalism and, and his attempt to sort of equate citizen journalists with people who have trained in it. Um, he would not have a citizen engineer building his rockets.
3: No, he wouldn't. No, he would not. Of course not, because they're stupid. They're stupid. <laughs> he likes to say stupid to people. Linda Yaccarino's meltdown at the Code Conference.
0: I have a lot of feelings about her and her role there. I don't think she's going to be there very long. No. And uh, I think, you know, hey, we're all opportunists and we all take opportunities in front of us. Um, and, uh, and I think she took an opportunity and, and she's going to milk it and then she's going to be gone.
3: So when? I am here, I've heard rumors that she's not long there. What have
0: you heard? I mean, I, I'm amazed she's left this long, to be honest with you, but um, I can't imagine she makes it through the end of the year.
3: Oh, okay. All right. Elon's threatened lawsuit against the ADL. I know quite a bit about this.
0: I mean, in my opinion, I, you probably know way more than I do. I think this is totally ugly. And I think it's, you know, in the book, I go deeply into the fact that there was a targeted troll attack on Twitter. As soon as he took over, there were something like 50,000 racist tweets testing him that a troll farm did. And I have a troll farm scene in the book. Um, however... You know, him blaming his problems on the ADL. Um, it, it sounds real bad to me. um and uh, and I think it's it's, you know, I thought he was all for free speech, but he's not yeah, for boycotts are speech, or speech uh, you know when when it's completely. against him. And uh, well,
3: also, I think they backed off because he threatened he truly threatened them. and they couldn't right.
0: I mean, he's the he's the richest man in the world who has a phalanx of lawyers, and so he's scary
3: yeah the avalanche of disinformation regarding the israel palestine conflict
0: oh god i mean this is we're seeing right now the disaster of getting rid of, getting rid of moderators of saying we can moderate it with an algorithm or we can just let it let it run it's it's just fueling so much hate on both sides right Anti-Semitism, islamophobia it's it's just fueling hate because it's a hate engine it's an engagement engine and it's it's ugly um, and uh, you know I thought it would be really hard to make Zuckerberg and Facebook look good, <laughs> right? And and Twitter makes Facebook look fantastic right now. Um, and I think that's a scary thing, and it's unnecessary, and I think they need to moderate. I want to ta-
3: finish up talking about a couple of things because there's obviously parallels between how you present Elon and his nemesis, Mark Zuckerberg. They're both portrayed as lonely, insecure, misunderstood billionaire geniuses. I find them very different, but I want to hear your thoughts on what do they have in common and and what are the differences?
0: Yeah, great question. So I think that what they have in common is somewhat the view that the world revolves around them, and that right. they're going to remake the world in their image. You know, Zuckerberg created
3: emperor.
1: Right.
0: They wanted Zuckerberg wanted us all to live online on Facebook, so he could be the king, basically. And I think Elon Augustus. emperor. Uh, Right. And I think Elon is similar. I think that Elon is is much more, in my opinion, you know, the dictatorial um, control person than Mark is. I think Mark... To me, anyways, is 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 a little bit more of the nerd, <laughs> so the guy in the corner with the computer. And Elon isn't that. Um, well,
3: his team has stayed around him for a decade; like it's the same people.
0: Yeah, and and so I don't know. It's a it's a it's there are differences between them. I think it's interesting. In the book, there's a scene when he signs the papers to take over um, Twitter. The first thing he screams out is "fuck Zuck, fuck Zuck," mm-hmm. um, which I haven't seen reported anywhere else. Um, and I, I think that that's. I think he definitely sees Mark as a rival. One time Mark asked
3: me if he was crazy, and I said, indeed. I don't know what to (laughs) say. You know, they're very fixated on each other in a weird way. And I, I, in my, this is just my opinion, Mark is actually a much nicer person, more stable. He obviously has a good relationship with his wife, he has kids, he's kept the same people there. Again, I have a lot, as you know, have a lot of problems with what he's done at Facebook. But- I mean you know, Elon has
0: pushed you to like Mark. <laughs> I don't like Mark
3: that much. I like him as a person. I th- I'm saying he's a better uh, person. Person. Like away from all of this. He has a life that is is he's a good father, he's a good husband, he's a, I think he has a lot of people around him that he's kept for a long time. When right. he when when the fight happened Tell me what you think of that, because here's two people you've written about quite a bit. It
0: is right up my alley. I I feel like this should have been my next book, and my movie It was literally just their fight. And uh, I think if Elon really wants to beat Zuck, he needs a social network about himself, so he should be supporting me and not coming against me. But I really, I was blown away by that fight situation. And for a few moments, I literally thought it might actually happen, (laughs) which would have been spectacular. Um, I would have put my money on Mark just because he's trained and he's young and and Elon is, uh, although Elon is crazy and crazy. Daisy is good in a fight. Um, I think that Mark's, you know, Mark is is skilled and he's going to probably win that fight. But I was blown away by the drama of it. And I loved it. I would have loved to have written about it.
3: Yeah. All the men, my sons wanted it. I was like, no, no, (laughs) this is, I actually wrote Mark a note saying, please don't do this. It's not, it's beneath you. Like you love your sport. Like whatever you think of is like dancing around and putting up his videos. He likes it. Like it's a real it's a real thing. Right. Right? He's earnest about it. Yeah. Um he didn't write back, by the way. <laughs> Sad. Um <laughs> but I said, You're better than this. This is a ridiculous circus by men who are not good people, so please stop. Please don't do it.
0: I mean, it could it could go very bad. But on the other hand, it, it would be a great movie. So.
3: Oh, all you people. All you want is a spectacle. You want well, spectacle. You know, <laughs> circuses. I mean, speaking if, of, if the
0: world is a simulation, you know, you got to make it fun.
3: That's true. That's, it doesn't really matter, does it? But speaking of which, there are also quite a few Trump parallels in the book. Uh, being rich, right-wing Twitter trolls are both surrounded by yes-men, thin-skinned, emotionally volatile, paranoid, convinced there's a deep state, or in Elon's case. Twitter 1.0 holdovers trying to undermine them. Uh, uh, and they both think they know everything. Going back to this messianic thing, both talk explicitly of themselves as saviors. I am the only one. Trump thinks he's just saving America, whereas Elon thinks he's saving humanity. Is that comparison fair?
0: I mean, in some ways. Look, I think Elon is leagues smarter than Trump. I yes. mean, I think Elon well. truly is a brilliant man, whatever you want to say about him. Um, and I think he, I think they both are people who are, you know, take that role of being this this strong man, right, the strong man leader, the charismatic person who who bends people to their will. I think that's something that they both see themselves as and is similar. Um, there are similarities for sure. You can't walk away from them. I think that I don't believe that Elon is a supporter of Trump. I don't think he, he liked Trump. I, I think, you know, I agree with what's in the Isaacs book. I don't think he thinks highly of Trump. He didn't. Of, of I have texts about it. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, obviously there are parallels in how they, how they, Act and behave. Um, I just think Elon's way way smarter, and it's it's sad. We would never even be having this conversation if if he hadn't taken over Twitter. It never would have even crossed your mind that they're the same people.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you. Uh, your movie Dumb Money came out um, during the middle of the strike. Of course, it's a terrific movie. I recommend people see it. You know what was happening in that book was about meme stocks. What has happened from when you were writing Accidental Billionaires, which was adapted into The Social Network? What has happened to tech from your perspective?
0: Wow. I mean, that's a it's a big...
3: I think they've lost their fucking minds. But go ahead. <laughs> what do you
0: think? It's a big question. It's certainly not the brilliant you know, college kids sitting in their dorm room dreaming up ways to make the world better. Um, I think it, it became a, a machine. It, it turned a lot of people out. And then you have all these outside characters that dominated these people who became like the unicorns right I think the unicorns you know went crazier and crazier and crazier uh, to the point we are today but I think everything's kind of shaky now I think the meme stock revolution that we talk about in dumb money uh, is 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 a is the the beginnings of a revolution I, I think that there's there's sort of so much anger there's so much bubbling up in the world and it's coming out everywhere so I mean it's a mishmash it's a mess it's it's a disaster you have someone like Elon who doesn't want to just build Tesla He wants to own and build everything, right? He wants to save the world rather than, you know, make a car or whatever it is. And I think that that unicorn thinking has just expanded and expanded and expanded.
3: One of the things about dumb money that I liked is this they can't, these rich people maybe aren't as smart as you think they are, right? And the other part of it is that. A lot of these people, including Elon, are always like, "Let's get the man." And I keep saying to the people that were doing the dumb money, you know, the 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 people that were sort of sort of trying very hard to make money at this stuff and play their same game is you're you're backing the man in fighting the man. Like they're the man. Like they are the
0: man I mean, it's it's all very confusing, right? Because, you know, elon is is somewhat of a, a rebel leader in the he's dumb money the man. phenomenon. I mean, he's trying to rally the people in a way against the man and he's the man. Well,
3: Andreessen just did that.
0: Yeah, you know that happens a lot. Like you look at Zuckerberg's transformation from being the rebel to being the establishment, right? Um, you know, in the end you you become <laughs> what you hate, I guess. It's is sort of the moral of all these stories, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's revolution always leads to a new leader, right? It doesn't lead to the people running and everything.
3: No, never. Uh, breaking Twitter reads like a screenplay. Unsurprisingly, you've had incredible success optioning your books. Has this one been optioned?
0: Yes. Yeah, so we, we sold it to uh, MGM is developing it. Uh, I think the plan right now is an eight-part television series, you know, one of those limited series, um, because there's so much in it. it. It's hard to sort of tell it in a quick movie, but um, we're out to... Uh, as soon as the acting strike is, is out, we will be out soon. to actors. Um, so hopefully any minute now. Um, but yes, it is being developed. So streamers this time? Um, not necessarily, but most likely. It could be a network. Could be a network. Would you
3: like to see how much you got an option for? How much money? Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> Dumb money. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. Okay. Um, all right, let's put know. it that way. Things have, you know,
3: I would uh, never tell you if, uh, <laughs> things I'm doing either. Um, but the last question, who plays Elon
0: yeah, you know, we've talked about it a lot, who, who I would dream about. Like, I think half the cast of Succession to do it. And yeah. um, I, I, I like Ben Affleck. I think Ben Affleck would be awesome in this role. Oh, um, yeah. He's one I'm thinking about. I'm, you know, as the author of the book, as you know, you have uh, about as much control of this as the None. caterer does. But I'm, I'm definitely, uh, you know, thinking of a few different people who could who do else? it. Who
3: else? Ben Affleck. We thought of Brendan Fraser. Who else?
0: I mean, Brendan Fraser would be a home run. He's someone we've definitely talked about. Um, yeah. Um, what was the other one? Uh, gosh i can't even remember um the guy from succession who, who um which who one? ended up taking over at the end um oh alexander
3: skarsgård he's uh, already no not skarsgård
0: um the one who uh was oh, married tom oh tom. tom i love tom 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 would be awesome no. I do he's got the face look at his face he's got the face oh. but um but yeah i think there's a number of people we've talked about um
3: i don't know no, Mm-mm.
0: no Mm-mm. that's not where you go you need a big yeah.
3: guy I was yeah. thinking Vince Vaughn before, before Vince Vaughn. long ago. Like, uh, that's I the, think that that's, would be old
0: Vince Vaughn. Yeah, no, I old love Vince Vaughn. Vaughn.
3: I said old Vince Vaughn. Like you yeah. have to have someone who has the size.
0: Yeah, the size is a big part of the story, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, you do need the size. But, um, yeah. but the magic of Hollywood. Everyone in Hollywood is so small that anybody looks big.
3: All right, my producer name is asking me to ask about Nick Cage. I disagree. Vehemently, <laughs> Nick so. Cage, I yeah, love Nick too Cage, crazy. but
0: I mean, he's he'd almost take him too crazy. Right? Yeah, <laughs> but you could see the crazy scenes going well. In the end, I think it'll it'll be a stunning stunning show. So
3: stunning show. Well, super exciting. Who's playing me?
0: I know, I'm, there's got to be, I'm you play in. yourself, I'm sure.
3: Yeah, I will. I just did. I just did in The Simpsons, so I can do it.
0: <laughs> that's anyway, fantastic. I'm
3: good as a cartoon character. Anyway, uh, I really love the book, Ben. Uh, I really enjoy your stuff. They make me laugh, and um, and I, I know it drives them crazy, so that's why I like it even better.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much. I, I'm a huge fan of yours as well. I think you're the best at this, um, and I appreciate it. Some people don't get what I do, and, and I love that you uh, you know uh, had fun with it, because I think in the end, We have to laugh.
3: Yeah, he is a character. That's that's for sure. Anyway, goodbye and thank you.
0: Thank you, Karen.
2: Touch his arm. Yeah. Did you caress his elbow? Who did you tell to caress his elbow? No, there was a thing on Twitter where they said I was touching his leg. Uh, with my foot. It was that code a couple years ago. I remember that. He looked down and said, Nice shoes to you. She liked my
3: shoes. I was not touching him. All these creepy straight men on Twitter, like, let me just give you some information creepy straight men of Twitter. I'm a lesbian. <laughs> I'm not interested in Elon Musk. Despite your comments about John Hamm at the top of the interview. I love John Hamm. He's very, any, even lesbians acknowledge the handsomeness of John Hamm. and Mitt Romney. But, well, he's also a handsome and not as, like, John Hamm is the handsomest man. So you were not playing footsie with Elon Musk. I was not. My <laughs> (laughs) The point was that sometimes when people are manic, as he can be, if you calm them down, if you touch
2: them lightly, it calms them down. And that's what I was talking about. Touching them reminds them you're not a pixelated nothing burger running around town, right? I guess. I liked Ben's point that Elon thinks of himself as a main character. He's certainly not alone in that. A lot of main character energy in a lot of the people we interact with. They do. They think they're the center of the universe. They're different in their manias. It's
3: egomania and narcissism.
2: Yes. These powerful people, a lot of them feel they are constantly under attack. They do. And I get it because notoriety makes you a target. Sure. You get pushed back. Some deserve, some not. And But the challenge is when they start to take every critique as an attack, right? Yes, they do. And that's what's happened to Elon now.
3: Yeah, he can't take anybody who has normal criticism. Or difference. And I think that's a real... Um, I just feel like you're around people that say yes to all the time when you hear the word no, you don't understand it. And a lot of people don't. Let me just say a lot of people don't. And they are good you know, at taking critical feedback. Dara Khosrowshah, who we just interviewed, for example, an adult. I call them adults and everybody else is either an adult toddler or the grievance industrial complex, which they benefit from that because then it gets their users going, you go,
2: man. It's sort of like the the you go girl for toxic men, really. Right. Or you're kind of trying to very much thread this needle, like walk a tightrope, what he described Esther Crawford doing, trying to talk him off of I it. thought it was
3: a mistake on her part. I think it hurt her more than it did her own, re- the sleeping bag thing. The And by the way, she did a very thoughtful thing about it later. And I get what she was trying to do, but it, what it does you mean is— mean when she it, came on Twitter and talked about the whole experience? Yeah, exactly. And I think, here's the problem, when you're cosseting, you know, over rich men, you're not going to win, you know, putting them in these— that they're As if that they are
2: children, they are not children. Like you enter into their fantasy of coddling them. Yes, right. It doesn't help them in any way. And it also, I mean, there's no staying power for it unless you're willing to basically become a non-pixelated non-character in the world, right? You become a vessel just for carrying water, just for reflecting back onto yeah. this person what he thinks of himself. That's right. They have
3: to take responsibility. They all have to take responsibility for what they've done and
2: what they're doing, good and bad. That's what adult men do. Do you think he's misunderstood or unfairly maligned? Because for a long no. time you did, you you were helping kind of unpack nuance around Elon yes. when others weren't, right? Now, so, no. Now, no. You think he's just— I think
3: we see him exactly as he is. I think we see all of them exactly as they are. But
2: he also could feel misunderstood. I guess. I don't think you can be the world's richest man and play the victim. I'm sorry. You just can't. Actually, it reminded me of the Amanpour episode, that conversation we had with her about the Yuval Mm -hmm. Harari quote, right? The, can you hold two thoughts at the same time? I don't think he's misunderstood, and I don't think we should feel sorry for him. Okay. Don't feel sorry for him. Do not play footsie with him. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Don't cry for him, Argentina. Um, It's it's unfortunate or maybe good for Ben that he didn't talk to Elon, because he disclosed many times that he's a bit of a fan. Right. But... I don't agree that the worst person you can talk to when you're doing a story is the main character. I, I think it's
3: okay sometimes, but at this point, I just finished my memoir. I really don't want any of them to call me anymore. I'm not picking up the phone. Because
2: it's called burn book, Kara. Yes. I it's like a specific ask to not call. I them. don't want to reunite with any of them. The best is if you can do what Tim Alberta did in that Atlantic profile of Chris Lick. Is- he reported it out very well, so he had access to Chris Lick, but he was never drinking well. the Kool-Aid because he... no. Chris is not exactly these people. He just didn't. He talks too much. Are you saying that, like, Elon is smarter than Trump, that Elon is smarter than Chris Leibniz? That is correct. That is correct. Two last things. We talked about the Walter biography, and it would have actually been a good question for us to ask Walter, would he still write the biography now on Elon? Yeah, probably he would. I think he would, too. Ben was like, no. The other thing that he said that was interesting is that he compared Linda to Sheryl Sandberg, which, of course, no. No, no. Oh, no. No, Cheryl is a real pro. I'm sorry. I, I think Linda's very
3: talented, as I've said time and again, in the genre she was in. I don't think she's CEO level um, yet. Maybe she could be someday. I, Cheryl wasn't the CEO, she was the COO. I think Cheryl understood her role. But she was never obsequious this way. No, for a time. She was quite tough on Mark, I would say, very honest. I think over time she herself got, you know, they got insular as a group of people. But in general, I thought she was very honest with Mark uh, at all times. And I I think she had command of herself in a way that maybe Linda does behind the scenes, but I doubt it. But they're different people.
2: Again, Mark is more willing to hear the message, and I don't think Elon is. I do think one of the most dangerous things Elon has done, it's what Ben said about he— like Trump, has been trying to undermine media. Yes, forever. And this post-truth era in his crusade for free speech is completely undermining truth. Yeah. Well, he's undermining
3: journalism. He doesn't like journalists.
2: Yeah. He is undermining journalists. He thinks he's saving speech.
3: Whatever. He's. I think he's, a, he's become a malevolent character. If he's the main character, he's become malevolent, and he shows no signs of turning it around. Maybe, you know, I don't know. At the end, Darth Vader redeemed himself. I guess it could happen. All right. Read us out, Kara. Today's show was produced by Naima Raza, Christian castro Rosell, and Megan Burney. Special thanks to Kate Gallagher. Our engineers are Fernando Aruda and Rick Kwan. Our theme music is by Trackademics. If you're already following the show, your book is getting optioned. If not, you have to sit in the citizen-engineered rocket. Go wherever you listen to podcasts, search for On with Kara Swisher, and hit follow. Thanks for listening to On with Kara Swisher from New York Magazine, the Vox Media Podcast Network, and us. We'll be back on Monday with more.